of Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the instructions that are clear. You've given us a purpose. You've given us a plan. You've given us responsibilities. May we rise to meet the challenge as a church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Jesus leaves no doubt as to the purpose and responsibility of the church. We have the Great Commission as is mentioned here by Luke. But you know, the Great Commission is mentioned again in the book of Matthew, and it's also mentioned in the book of Mark. Three times the historians of the early church wanted to be sure that Jesus left us some very clear instructions before he ascended and went to the right hand of the Father. Of course, this is found pretty much in verse 8. And as we look at the Great Commission... We want to look, first of all, by way of introduction, the extent of our responsibility. How far are we to go with this command? How far are we to take this business of mission work? Where Jesus said this way, You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and look at this, and to the end of the earth. Now those of you with the King James Version, I remember to the uttermost parts of the earth. Some other English translation, they present this Greek word as to the farthest part of the earth. Others say the remotest part of the earth. So we understand we go as far as is necessary to the uttermost part, to the end of the earth, to the furthest point of the earth. Matthew records it this way, where Jesus said, you go make disciples of all Nations. Now this word nation encompasses what we would call a political nation with borders, but quite specifically that word there is we make disciples of all ethnic groups. Any people group that's in the world that identifies as a people group by either language or skin color or culture or whatever, we go and reach those. In Mark chapter 16, he records Jesus as saying this, you go into all the world, all the world, and preach the gospel to 
every creature. Of course, that word creature means humanity uh, because we wouldn't waste our time preaching the gospel to the giraffes and so forth. We wouldn't do that. But what he means is every human being, every nation, all the world, to the furthest parts of the world, we get that, don't we? And that's why we have days like today to take up special offerings to help the people who are over in those parts of the world. But we want to look at the starting point. Because before we can go over there, we've got to find out where we're going to start. Of course, we've gone through this before where it says, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Where do we start? Well, right here. That's pretty much our slogan. We are reaching the world. We're starting here. Well, when I say here, what are we talking about? Well, as we see Jerusalem, that's the town that they were in. So it would be real easy to say, well, we got this. We're going to start in this town. Not close enough. Not close enough. Because when we start about talking about this community, those are the churches in this community. So who's going to do it? Well, probably the other church. You know, a lot of people think somebody will eventually get around to it. Well, when we talk about mission work, we start in this town but also, we start here as in we start in this church. Now, that gets a little bit closer. Therefore, it's harder to avoid responsibility because this church, this is all there is. There's nobody outside these walls. There's nobody else to take care of this. So if we're going to take care of the Great Commission as a church, we're looking at us, right? But it's even closer than that. It's closer than that. And the starting point for missions found in one other word, and it's not Jerusalem. The starting point is this. You will be witnesses to me. You will be witnesses to me. Now, what does the word witness mean? The technical definition is to relate truthfully one's own personal experience. And when he said, you'll be witnesses to me, he pretty much nailed down where mission work starts because the word witness means I relate a personal experience. The starting point of the Great Commission, yes, it's in this town, it's in this church, but it's in me. It's in me. Not just with me, but in me. You see... Our task concerning mission work is not merely to communicate the church's doctrine all the way around the world, although that is important. Because Jesus said, you make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe. So we have teaching ministries all over the world, but it doesn't stop there. You see, it's not merely to communicate what the church says about something or what somebody else has posted about something. But it's also mission work starts when we share our own experience with someone else. We share our own blessing with someone else. We somehow, someway in this hard world, share our own joy with someone else. You see, Paul nailed down mission work when he said in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, comfort others with the same comfort that you're comforted with. You see, that's mission work, because why is that? That makes me a witness. 
I can witness to someone concerning the comfort that Jesus Christ has given me. So mission work doesn't have to be a formal, organized program of curriculum and sending literature and sending teams over. Mission work starts when we are willing, with our compassion, to share with somebody else what Jesus did for us while they're hurting. How far do we have to go to find someone who's hurting? Here. We don't have to go out of this town. We don't have to go out of this church. We don't have to go out of our circle. Everywhere we go, where we work, where we shop, in our own family circles, people are hurting. And we can do mission work when we are witnesses and we share with them our personal experience of the joy and the comfort that Jesus Christ can give. I want us to look at a detailed description of how this is all done in Philippians chapter 2. If you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2. It's right here where we see one of our most effective resources for mission work. That's at this time where I want to remind you, of course, we dare not try to do mission work without the word. We leave the word out of our church work, out of our worship services, out of any program that we have. We are doomed for failure when it comes to achieving God's purposes. We all know the passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, when he says, my word will not return to me void. It will accomplish the purpose that I send it. So what's mission work? Mission work is taking the word of God and taking it here and taking it over there and doing all of these things. However, that's one resource. But one of our most effective resources is outlined in this passage of scripture. And let's look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. I have not run in vain nor labored in vain. There's an outline of mission work. Those last verses, we get that. We're holding forth the word of life. We're shining as lights in the world. But we want to back up a little bit. Because when we back up a little bit, it tells us of our most effective resource. It says this, work out your own salvation. Now, what are we talking about? A personal experience. A personal experience. Can't get much more personal than that. Can't get much more local than that. We're going to start right here. Right here is in me. Now, notice... It didn't say work off your salvation as if somehow, some way, we could earn salvation. That's not what he said. The word work out your salvation, two things that we notice. First of all, it means to carry to completion what God has started. God started something when we got saved. 
God started a work in our lives. And he's saying you carry it to completion. Those of you who are educators, this is actually an educational term. It, it is the same word when it talks about working out a mathematical problem. Now, those of you who are teachers, if you're math teachers, you realize if a student works out just part of the problem and then quits before they're finished, even though the first part of it might be correct, they don't get full credit for the answer. Sometimes you get no credit for the answer. You know, to get full credit, you have to work it out to the completion. You got to work it all the way through. And that's what he's saying. God started something. And let's make sure we don't quit halfway. Let's make sure we work it all the way out. But notice it says, you work out your own salvation. In other words, your own salvation is your best resource. Why? Because then you've got something to share with somebody else, right? You have something to share. Your own salvation and your own blessing. But also, it's, we mentioned, for it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Before I can work something out, God has worked something in, right? And God has to work something in or I don't have anything to share with somebody. Oh, I can share words. I can share what the church believes. But what God wants us to do is share our own experience of salvation with others. That's what a witness is. So God has worked it in and we work it outward. You see, that's why I said mission work doesn't start with me. It starts in me. That's how local mission work is. That's how close and personal it is. It starts in me because God has worked in me. God has worked salvation in me, but now he wants an outward working and an outward visible evidence. He wants me to be a witness for that. That's mission work. That is harder to do than to give an offering one time a year, isn't it? Let's make sure we realize how much of investment it's going to take of our lives when we're really interested in the Great Commission. We continue on. Do all things without complaining and disputing. We're going to look at the visible evidence of what God has worked inside. Now remember, a little bit earlier, what asset do we have to work with? Number one, we have the Word. We have the Word. But let's look at something else that makes a big impact on the success of mission work. Do all things, all things, without complaining and disputing. Well, I had to look those words up. In some English translations, without murmuring and arguing, without grumbling and fault-finding, without complaining and arguing. Man, this mission work has gotten really personal, hasn't it? Because it said, do all things. doesn't just say, do church work without complaining and arguing. He says every aspect of your life. Your home life, your work life, going to school, all your friendships, all your relationships with the people who are easy to get along with. And then there are those other people to get along with. It says we do everything without complaining and fault-finding. So what that tells me is this. We need to make sure that we are offering to the world a very positive witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we come and say, well, I'm saved, I'm a child of God, I'm a member of the church, and then we go into a big, long complaint. We are sour. We're critical. We're fault-finding. We're just mad all the time. 
You think anybody wants what we have? They're going to run the other way. Yes, this is a valuable asset when it comes to reaching the lost, but our reputation can make it or break it for mission work. And if all we are is angry and sour and mad at all the world, people want to have nothing to do with the Jesus we're talking about. We understand there's no complaining and arguing. Then we have something here. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Wow. We need to have a better reputation than the world around us. This word blameless and harmless in some passages of scripture, pure in some passages of scripture, doesn't mean without you know, sinless total perfection. We can't reach that. But the word blameless means without glaring fault, and the word pure means without any deceit, no dishonesty, no hypocrisy. So we realize we should live lives of impeccable behavior. Oh, this is getting to be hard. Now all of a sudden, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. All of a sudden, you're getting in our business, preacher, and you're talking about the way we live all the time. Exactly. You see, the mission of reaching the world demands nothing less than that. Nothing less than that. God wants us to be so totally sold out to reach the world for the lost, we're willing to behave ourselves to do that. We're willing to behave ourselves by where we go, what we say, what we put on the keyboard, what we post on the computer. And that's what he's saying. Paul's saying, we've got work to do. Now let's behave ourselves and get back to work because when my reputation is not what it should be, it will make an impact on how people listen or not listen to the gospel. He says this a little bit later. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5. No man puts a candle on a candlestick and puts a bushel bag, uh, basket over it. He said, you're lights in the world. We get that. We learned that from when we were Bible school, the little song, this little light of mine. You know, we, we grin at that song, and we think that it's, it's kind of a cute little song, but there's a lot of theology in that song I think we have missed because this grown-up version of that says, among whom you shine is lights in the world. And Jesus said that men may see your good works and glorify God. So that tells me this. Let's not miss this. It's not enough that we cut out all the bad stuff. And there's a lot of list of don'ts, and sometimes Baptists are known for their big list of don'ts. There's a reason for that. It's a lot of stuff we should have no business doing. We should have no business ingesting. We should have no business partaking in because it's a detriment to the gospel and it'll wreck our lives and wreck our testimony. But it's not enough to not do stuff. He said that men may see the good that you're doing. All of a sudden, we got to do something. We've got to put forth some effort. Mission work now has gotten to be hard if it starts right here in me. You're shining as lights. Two things here. First of all, Jesus said it's like a candle or a lamp. And that is the good things we do, as we mentioned before, as we share the comfort and the joy and the things that we can share with others. But when I have a candle or any kind of light, 
It's going to affect the people that's closest to me. Did you catch Jesus saying something about where mission work starts? The light affects those closest to me. Now, as they get further and further away from me, there's just a limit to how far my light will shine. That is why it is important for us to send lights over there. So we send people, or we go ourselves. We go to other parts of the country, whether it be to Atlanta or to Colorado or to Nixon, Missouri, and we go and spread the light. Or we go to other parts of the world, whether it be to Ghana, West Africa, down in Honduras, over to the Philippines and Tanzania. And you see, everybody's not called to go. We're called to stay here. But for those that go, that's why we have a mission fund. We can help them to go. Why? Because our light will not shine from here over there. Somebody has to carry the light over there. And they have to shine in their circle. So that's why we help out. Some go and some sin. If you read through the book of Philippians toward the very last, Paul says something about to the gist of, thank you for your offering that you sent to me. So we realize early on, everybody weren't, wasn't, wasn't going all over the world preaching the gospel. Some people were like Paul, but then some people, some other churches we're sending money. You see, the Philippian church wasn't the sending church. They didn't send Paul. The Antioch church did. But what did they do? They sent some money. So it is important. There's a biblical reason why we do what we do to take up an offering and why in our budget we send money to our partners all over the world because we know our lights are going to shine here and we help their light to go over there and help them to shine. So we shine as lights like a candle or a lamp or a flashlight, and it's going to affect the people that are closest to us. And Jesus said this, don't hide your light. Paul said it this way, you're shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. This world needs the light. But then there's something else here. The word light in this passage of scripture doesn't mean a lamp or a candlestick among whom you shine as lights in the world. The word light here is the same word for which we get the sun and the moon and the stars. And it's quite important that that word is used because men used the sun and the moon and the stars by which to navigate and safely get to their destination. There's a message there, isn't there? He said, you need to be those lights that people can use you to guide them to the proper destination. And here's why the sun and the moon and the stars, they're all so significant as is used here, is this. The sun and the moon and the stars, consistent and dependable. And the, and the lesson here is this. Whether or not I'm a positive in, influence and a light in my world should not have to depend on what kind of mood I'm in today we should be more consistent than that we should be more consistent and always shine our light but are we are we flighty are we moody can, can things change our witness 
at a moment's notice that all of a sudden we're not allied anymore, we're something altogether different? Can we be consistent where people could look at our lives, the way we live, the way we follow Christ, and we're so consistent they can navigate by our lives? That's what he's saying. That's mission work. That's the Great Commission. And it starts not here. It starts here. That is the mandate for mission work. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. And if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he kind of mentions this again, and he kind of nails some other things down where we can get a, a full picture of what it means to actually pursue mission work. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. Therefore I exert, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Did you catch that? That we may do what? Live a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. He's pretty well summed up everything that Paul, that he said earlier as he was talking to the Philippian Christians. That we should live a quiet, peaceable, reverent, godly life. Now, that stands alone even as it is, but look at the next words. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Did you catch that? He's talking about living a decent life, a godly life, a reverent life, a positive influence. At the same time, he's saying, because God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And as he shares God's desire to reach the nations with the gospel, he pairs it together and says, and behave yourself and make sure you have a good reputation. Because we really have two things to work with when it comes to mission work. We have this and we have our reputation. And if we blow this, people couldn't care less about what we have to say about this. Too much is at stake for us to be so careless and uncaring and flighty about the way we live. There's too much at stake. So mission work, the extent of it over there as far as over there is. But where do we start? In me. And that brings forth a very personal investment. More than a few dollars on Mission Sunday, right? More than just an offering, more than even just church attendance. God has just gotten all up in our business this morning, hadn't he? This is hard to do. But notice what Jesus said in this passage of Scripture. He said this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you'll be witnesses. And God keeps his promises. He promised he would give us power to do what he asked us to do. In the book of Acts, as you read through chapter 2, you remember that they had great boldness and God gave them abilities to do wonderful things. But look in chapter 4, verse 31 and 33, and that's where we'll wrap up. 
Notice what he promised. He gave them a big order. He gave them a big order. But he said, I'm going to give you the power to do this. And I want us to notice as we close that God keeps his promises. Chapter 4, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Now this is after they'd been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. Look down at verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. You catch verse 33 verbatim what Jesus promised and what he asked them to do. Did you catch that? And with great power, they gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he said in verse 8 of chapter 1. I'll send power and you'll be a personal witness relating to people what you've personally experienced about me. And Then not too long later, we realize God keeps his promise. And with great power, what they do? Bear witness. So prepare for an invitation to him. A couple of things to think about. You can never work out what's never inside. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever, ever had a personal conversation with Christ about your sins, which are many, and about his forgiveness, which is greater than all of our sin? Have you ever accepted that? Have you ever accepted and placed your faith and your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps you're here and you say, I've done that. Now what are we doing with it? What's in here should be shared out there. And we need to make some personal commitments. Not about the formal mission work, that's important too. But about our personal world and our personal life of being a witness wherever we are. The sake of lost souls demands nothing less than our best.